Jen Cooper, the keeper here, ready for the next episode of the Mix Zone Women's Soccer Podcast. This is episode number 249. And with that number, I have to give a shout out to Jamaica's Khadijah Shaw, because she is sticker number 249 in the Panini Women's World Cup sticker album. She assisted Jamaica's first ever Women's World Cup goal, which was scored by a former NWSL player, Havana Salon. They scored against Australia today. So shout out to all the Jamaicans. All right, two Women's World Cup chats today. First, I talked to former U.S. national team midfielder Lori Lindsay, who's currently working as a broadcast analyst for the NWSL and USL. We talked about USA versus Chile and a lot of other World Cup things. And then I spoke with Orlando Pride goalkeeper Haley Kottmeyer to talk specifically about goalkeeping in the World Cup, prepping for penalty kicks, and more. So hope you enjoy these two Women's World Cup chats. Jen Cooper, the keeper here with another keeper, an actual professional, real like goalkeeper and a sell goalkeeper for Orlando Pride, Haley Kottmeyer. Haley, thank you for joining me today. Thank you so much for having me. Well, I want to talk World Cup goalkeepers with you, especially following that amazing performance by Christian Endler against the USA. But the, But there's been a lot of great keeper moments through just the first two rounds of the group stage. You know, you've got 19-year-old Sydney Schneider for Jamaica and Ndozi for Nigeria is just 18. And then on the other end, you've got Ingrid Helmseth for Norway, who's 39. So I think one of the things I've always loved about goalkeepers and goalkeeping is like it's a much longer career. So, So first impressions as you've been watching the tournament the last – 10 days. What stands out to you in terms of the goalkeeping? You know, I think there's, there's so many things and so many directions you could kind of go with this. You know, there's so been so many incredible performances and incredible moments. You know, there's been some like nervy um, sort of almost critical moments and it's, it is such a high pressure position. It's so fun kind of on the biggest stage to see who's rising and who's standing out and who's having these kind of stand on your head performances for their team. Um, and, and is doing what almost, you know, you wouldn't expect or seemingly coming out of nowhere. So it's just been fun, honestly, you know, I think it's, it's fun anytime you can kind of take a step back. Obviously I, I have like the goalkeeper and the coach and the player perspective always going on in my mind um, when I'm watching these games, but mm-hmm. at the same time, it's just, it's so exciting and there's so many great stories. So I think, you know, you know, that there's always ways you can look at it critically, but I think more than anything else, like I just love how much everybody is loving watching soccer right now and talking about it. Yeah. The, the coverage level has been so much deeper than I've ever seen it before. Um, the seriousness and with it and with it's taken and, and also just even the advertisements are around it uh, seem to be more sporting related than inspiring yeah. little girl related. Um, you know, so as much as I get frustrated with some of the arguments of, you know, should the rules be different? Should the goals be smaller? Don't get me started on that, uh, you know, because of yeah, no, the 13-0 thing. Yeah, like, um, but what it means is that more people are discussing it. And I have to remind myself that it's like, okay, the bulk of these people do not have 20 years following the game <laughs> that, you know, that I do. Um, but they're talking about it. And today when I was uh, watching the Group C finales at, at my favorite pub, the one of the waitresses came up and said, can you explain offside to me? Because people are talking about it and I want to know what it means. <laughs> yeah. so I was like, and, yes, and you're like, I, I, I can I do that I for knew, you. And then this world cup, I don't know anymore. <laughs> well, I didn't, I didn't get into the complicated scenarios for her. Yeah. I just, I just tried to explain. I was like, if you have your ball at your feet, you can do whatever you want. You know? Yeah. But when you do, yeah. So, but I like that she wanted to know. You know that that, that there's, yeah, there's, no, there's like an that. interest in it. Um, and I know we were at 
yeah, a few girls on my team, we were at dinner the other night and we like saw this table, like this little old group of women and they were just talking about it. They had no idea. They're like, are you watching that world cup? You know? And it was, yeah. but it was awesome. It was a group of people that probably never, ever would otherwise talk about it. And, and they were having this long conversation. It was adorable. <laughs> and, and did you walk over and say, Hey, I play on one of the world cup teams. <laughs> Yeah, I know. And they'd be like, why are you here? No. <laughs> well, let's let's get back um, to the goalkeepers. Yeah, totally. I think one of the the interesting things is, you know, when you have a lot of penalties, and I haven't seen VAR affect that too much yet. Uh, it did in the Men's World Cup, but we have seen 16 uh, penalty kick attempts, 12 have been converted, three saves, only one miss. Um you know, what What kind of preparation has to go into facing a penalty kick during regulation and, you know, and a penalty kick on the World Cup stage? Absolutely. You know, I think the the one thing and really kind of the only thing as a keeper that we kind of have going for us in those moments, and, and actually I think that's that, like, you know, obviously we had the, the VARs and the line issues with keepers, like, getting a tear off their line and, and right. getting called back and get the other attempts. So I think, like, technically speaking, the save percentage or the miss percentage is, is like, it's still obviously in the favor of the shooter, but it's, like, right. you know, a little, if you maybe there's one or two that you can argue or could have gone the other way. But I think in that moment, the majority of the pressure is on the shooter. You know, like if they, if the goalie makes a save, everybody's going to go nuts and lose their minds and, and be so excited. And, you know, they're not necessarily expected to save it. And I think in that moment, you know, these, these you can see the nerves almost of the girls that are taking it. Like you kind of see this calm in the goalie because they're like, oh, what the heck? Um and you see, like, the, the I've even noticed, like, more so, like, at this big level, they know how many eyes are on them. Um, and they have to score. And if they don't, then, then that comes back on them. So I think in that moment, you know what I mean, the pressure of the situation is so much higher than it's ever been. So it's been cool to see, you know, these, these keepers step up and, and make plays on them. And unfortunately, you know, for some of those young guys, it's getting called back. And that's probably going to be a learning moment for keepers all over the world moving forward with, how you know how closely VAR can watch if you're leaving a hair early um but I do I, I think the pressure for the most part is on the strikers definitely I mean, that's what I tell myself because I say penalty kicks well, because we all look at the the penalty kick attempt and, and go they got to get this on frame and we know the chances that if it's well placed the chances that a keeper can actually get to it before it goes in are pretty slim. So if the keeper saves it, it's amazing. Yeah. You know? Yes, exactly. So as, it's yeah, like kind of keeper, almost like yeah. a free goal. Yeah. You know, people are like, you know, you see how hard people celebrate when they get a PK because the expectation is that they yeah. can make it. Yeah. So when they don't, everyone's like, oh, man. Yeah. And then the goalie comes up big and that's, you know, and those, those moments are really, really cool. Now, have you ever, you know, in your playing career, whether NWSL or college, you know, did you ever prep maybe before a a big game of like, hey, I know this shooter tends to shoot this way or you go in the moment? No, I I actually would say, especially at this level, I think most keepers do have an idea or teams have an idea and do scouting on where players typically shoot. Um, and, you know, it, it, you always have, like, the right to kind of override what you know. Um, but, mm-hmm. I mean, even for my games, I think for the most part, I'll know the potential shooters, where typically they've gone. And then from that moment there, I can, you know, kind of make a look and say, okay, it's, it's looking like they're going to do what they usually do, or maybe they're going to change it. Interesting. Interesting. I, I thought yeah. it was funny today that uh, when they were setting up for – I can't remember. Oh, it must, it must have been Brazil taking a PK and the referee goes over to the Italian keeper and is explaining, you know, you got to stay on the line. You got to stay on the line. You know, after we've seen the two, two PKs retaken in the last few days and the keeper's like, I know I got it. Yeah. You don't have to keep telling me. Well, and what else do you look at when you're watching these games in terms of keepers? Like, uh, you know, yeah. distribution you know, I, or, or how far up definitely, you're playing? 
you know, I think you kind of look and you see, you know, what is their composure like on the ball? You know, by no means am I thinking that, you know, on my games that I play that I'm the end all be all, you know, but it is coming from an analytical and a learning, um, you know, perspective. And and also too, you know, someday I want to coach. So you kind of look at things from um, those perspectives. And I think, you know, okay, you know, who's coming up big in the big moments, but you know, who's also doing all the little things, who's taking good touches, who's connecting their passes, who's, defensive lines look really really clean you know and I think you know part of that is it's probably so loud in a lot of those stadiums that your communication might not have that big of an effect you know I don't know I'm not there um Uh but just you know what is what do all those things um look like and I do I you know you I think most people who play probably watch people who play in their position from that critical perspective well, and as we get into the knockout round, you know, um, once you're past the round of 16, the margin of, of winning tends to be pretty thin. I mean, we look at the U.S.'s journey in 2015, uh, you know, 1-0 against China, 1-0 against Germany, uh, well, 2-0, sorry, after Kelly O'Hara's game, uh, goal, but so so tight margins, you know, and, and I look back to it, 2015, there were penalty kicks awarded, get this, in both semifinals and the third place match, um, you know, and, and then you had the shootouts, uh, you had a shootout yeah. in, in Germany, France. So it just, I think it heightens the whole focus on, on the goalkeeper, you know, and, and we've heard this before, you know, goalkeeper can't win games, but, but you can, definitely save games. So, you know, how do you uh, as a keeper kind of bring that mentality into a game and still feel connected to your team where the team is all about goals, 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 you know, it, it, it is, it, goalkeeping is a, a fairly solitary position, but it's in a team sport. Absolutely. You know, and I think it also in tournaments like this, where there is, going to be especially in group stages where there is going to be a discrepancy in just talent you know in you know and that that stems from things like funding you know all the way the size of the country all the way down the line but um you know the reality is is there's going to be teams who you have these kind of renowned keepers who have touched the ball all of four or five times in in their all their group stage games um or made saves three or four times and that's it and then you have other people who you know you're Sydney Shiners and your Endlers and, and those guys who are kind of making this name for themselves um, and they're not necessarily winning games, but they're doing everything they can to keep their team in it and finishing with seven saves in a game, um, you know, even though their team is falling. So it's, it, it's such kind of a lonely position at times and also kind of can be the busiest position at times, but it is, it's, it's such an opportunity. Um, I guess it's just kind of the best way to put it. And whether that moment happens once and you may need to make one save to win a world cup or it, you know, you're, they're kind of coming down and it's just shooting down your throat the whole game. It's, I don't know. It's, it's, it's so fun because you really never know what you're going to get. Yeah. And you could have a boring game and it's all about, you know, the other end of the field or like, so you could just be peppered with shots and, you know, and, and it's the kind of thing like, uh, you know, we we look at some of the teams that have lost 3-0, 4-0, 5-0. The keeper still had a pretty good game. But, you know, when you look at the numbers, when there's that many shots on you, <laughs> you know, if, if you face 12 yeah. shots on target and you save 10 of them, well, that's still, you know, two goals that have, that have, have gone in. Totally. So, so last question for you. Any Any predictions for which teams you think we'll see in the final four. And you don't have to worry about who's on what side of the bracket. Cause that step is still, is still That's falling still up in the air, you know, but if, but if um, you pick, but if you picked four from what you've seen so far, which four would you cherry I, pick and put into the semis? You know, I think it's, even though I haven't faced anybody, you know, super, super strong yet, obviously like the U S is number one for a reason. And I, think you know without a doubt you'll see them there um you know i think france has looked a little bit nervy at times but they're like the home team they've got the home crowd uh and all that behind them um 
I thought Germany's looked pretty good. And I actually, my, my dark horse, not so much a dark horse, obviously they won Euros two years ago, but I think if the Netherlands kind of piece it together, they have the players too, to be really, really special. Yeah. As I started, so I don't know if I can yeah. work it all out. As, as I started to plug in names into my bracket, I like, this is going to be tough. Like I think the round of 16 will be much tougher than it was in in 2015 there could be some really good teams eliminated absolutely and i mean we just saw the group today you've got three teams all going through that have all beaten each other and are you know two of them are top 10 in the world and the other one's kind of making this name for itself um in italy so it's cool you know it it is it is so exciting to watch um and i think it's fun you know one of the cool things about the world cup too is that because people, a lot of people kind of only tune in for the World Cup, you you know, you hope it generates that kind of, I don't know, you know, knock on effects where people then support the league and they support other things. But, um, you know, teams for a lot of people seemingly come out of nowhere because you haven't, you know, they don't hear, you don't read about them unless you're kind of entrenched in the soccer world um, for so many years. So, you know, teams like Italy or teams like the Netherlands or where people are like, whoa, I didn't even know they were good. You know, yeah, uh, and they won. Like they won the Euro in 2017, but we we've seen exactly. just a hint of of Dutch players in in NWSL and absolutely you know, where where they went from 2015 to 2017. Like they just sneaked out of the group stage last time around, and I remember I went to their round of 16 match in Vancouver where they played Japan, and it was like they they weren't there. They didn't show up till basically stoppage time when they suddenly got a goal and, and, and suddenly they're, they're running around excitedly and I'm like, it's the 92nd minute. It's kind of too late to win, to win this game. So working off the back of what they did at Euro 2017 and the incredible fan support from that has just been amazing to watch. I mean, like 10,000 Dutch fans in France and a brass band following them following around and, and, and all of that. So that, that reminds me one other, one other last question. Um, you know, some of your teammates, of course, are in this world cup. You, you've got the Brazilians and of course the Americans. So, you know, if USA and Brazil face off at some point, how do you, how do you watch that game? <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I, I think, you know, obviously being from the U.S., like, yeah, I'm, right. I'm, I'm rooting for the U.S. girls. Just more beyond, I think if I knew nobody, you know, obviously I, w- I would root for the U.S. But I do, I, you know, I really do hope that all these girls, and when I watch, I, I want all my teammates and all my friends to have very good, you know, personal performances. Yeah, and then um, when course, they're not matching. Yeah, and then yeah, when not the Australians too. Yeah, so what was that like for you to watch the – the Brazilians and the Australians face off. Um, you know, I, again, like it was, it was something where it was such a fun and exciting game to watch um, and be a part of and such a crazy second half that, you know, again, I'm, I'm hoping that individual players kind of do really well. Um, Cause you know, those are people that I know. And other than that, I think I just try to enjoy the game for what it is. You know, I, try not to root too hard for any particular kind of entity um, and just, you know, enjoy the game. Cause that's what it was. It was such an exciting game. You know, you want games like that in the world cup. Yeah. And there have been, there have been a lot of good ones. Well, Haley, thank you so much for taking the time to talk and I hope you enjoy the rest of the world cup as, as, as much as I'm going to. I absolutely will. Thank you for having me. Jen Cooper, the keeper here with Lori Lindsay, former U.S. national team midfielder who played in the 2011 Women's World Cup. And now, Lindsay, you're all over the airwaves calling NWSL and Open Cup and USL and having fun with that, huh? Oh, absolutely. It's it's a blast. Yeah. And getting tons of experience and enjoying it. And it's a lot like playing. So it's just, yeah, it's been so fun. So so maybe... Women's World Cup 2023, we'll hear your voice commentating some of the games. Yes, that would be a blast. That is, <laughs> um, 
You're like, yes, yeah, that'd be amazing. That'd book be me now, me book me now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, so of course I wanted to talk to you about women's world cup. Um, you know, USA has played their second game and they've got a big game against Sweden coming up later this week to determine the group winner. So let's talk about USA Chile. I mean, the, the first thing that I know caught your eye and surprised me when I saw the lineup came out, I'm like, wow, seven changes. Like you, you knew there'd be a couple because you, you kind of had a, a good advantage coming into this game after the USA Thailand win. And, you know, we figured that Becky Sauerbrunn would be healthy, uh, but seven changes. I mean, what, what do you think about that? Yeah, I mean, more than I expected for sure. Um, at the same time, I think it um, shows how deep this team is, how many players can actually start. And while I didn't think it was our um, best performance, um, I definitely thought we got off on the front foot. But Chile under a lot of pressure, obviously, we saw Carly Lloyd score a couple goals. Um, so in, in that regard, in terms of the energy and the excitement we brought to the game, again, it matched what um, we saw against Thailand. And when we talk about 70 starters, it just shows, again, what I said, the depth of this team and that really anybody could be starting and still make an impact. So not a 13-0 win. We didn't expect it to be. And I'm kind of relieved that it wasn't. Um, a lot of people were asking <laughs> me, they're, they're like, are we going to beat up on Chile the same way? I'm like, no, I, you know, we've played Chile recently. The games were like 3-0, 4-0. And we knew that, that Christian Endler was going to have an amazing game. And, and she totally did. But what are, what are your thoughts on on the attack of this game, the, the shape of the midfield, um, and having some some different people starting it forward? Well, that's where I felt like, um, even though we did score three goals, we created a ton of, ton of opportunities, and you said it exactly. I mean, Inler for Chile was amazing. I mean, her, I mean, what a brilliant performance she had. Um, and, and it could have been a lot bigger scoreline than we saw, but if it wasn't for her. But at the same time, um, I think it was it's it's what I expected in terms of again the energy and and the pressure that we put on them and scoring chances and creating different chances. But I thought we could have. I thought what separated us in that Thailand game was the crispness of our passes. Um, obviously, it was tough for Thailand to even get on the ball or create any sort of attack. Um, because they were so deep, but we still kept the ball moving. And in part, I felt like that was due to the combination that we had in the middle in that Thailand game. So then looking at the a game against Chile, I felt like it just wasn't as crisp. And again, you have some nerves. You have people that are starting in the first game or the wholesale changes across the board. But, um, you know, at the same time, it was about getting people minutes, um, getting people opportunities so that if we do need them down the line in this tournament, they'll be ready to go and they'll have some minutes under their belt. Um, and we show that we can um, create a ton of chances without what our starting in the lineup typically looks like. And I think that when you're looking at these opponents and going forward, that's all you can ask for, right? It's not always about playing the prettiest. It's about right. Results, especially in this um, opening round. Well, and I was so pleased to see like Jessica McDonald gets gets some minutes because one of my thoughts uh, during USA Thailand when you know they're up by several goals and they sub in Kristen Press and and Carly Lloyd, I'm thinking, okay, could you at least sub in somebody who doesn't have World Cup minutes because here's a great chance to you know get that yeah. person's feet feet wet, you know, deal with nerves now when it's it's less important. So I was really pleased to see just get some minutes, you know? Um, and, and at the same time, it's, it's a challenge. It's, it's gotta be a challenge to balance out that you want to keep your, your core lineup playing together and, and in the groove, but yeah, you want to give other players minutes so that later in the tournament, if, if you need them, they're not, you know, making their debut in a quarterfinal kind of thing. Um, you know, how do you, uh, you know, if you're Jalelis, how do you balance that? I mean, talk about it from a, a former player's perspective, uh, because you knew what it was like where you, you knew that 2011, that you weren't likely to see the field except for maybe one or two kind of like, hey, someone needs to rest kind of thing. But, you know, how, how, how do you approach that? 
Yeah, I mean, I think that's where the tough part is, especially with when you look at our roster, we really have essentially two starting lineups. I mean, that's how deep this team is. People have been right. fighting for positions. But also at this point in time, people would have an understanding of the role. It doesn't mean that you're you're not fighting and you're not, like, hopeful that you can get more minutes than you potentially expected. But you do have an understanding that, like, hey, I'm most likely not going to have as many minutes as the next person if they're in a starting lineup. And, and when you're in the World Cup, you – you just make that part of your role, right? Like, there's no reason to, I mean, you're there as a team. But as a player, I mean, what's interesting is, and as a starter is to, that's why I was shocked to see that many um, changes because there also is a aspect of when we have more time in between games now, um, and you and I are talking off air about, you know, four, four days between games. I mean, there is more than ample time to have full full recovery for the starters who played 90 minutes or even even 75 minutes in that first game. So I expected more players to to be on the field than we actually saw, especially with our conditioning level, the preparation that we've put in, because these players will recover between games. And obviously, once you get down, if we make it this far and you get in the quarterfinals and semifinals, those minutes start to add up. But right. this World Cup is is being in rhythm and managing your body and managing the game, right? And and we're fortunate enough when you look at this um, this bracket. Yes, we should. Um, we are expected to win these games. That's like not a secret, right? So we are able to right. make these changes, and you might as well make them now. But it does come. You know, I'm interested to see as even just again from a player's point of view. If, if I was a starter in this this World Cup, now I have and I didn't play any minutes against Chile. Then I'm I have eight days right over a week's time of rest and not getting another game in. And then when you kind of look across the board, yes, that could come back and like start to itch away at like a France, right? Because you're seeing them play a lot of their players multiple minutes, but they're also getting in that rhythm. They're getting um, the minutes. They're getting those touches on the ball. So this the first 15, 20 minutes of this game against Sweden on Thursday will be interesting in terms of how we can get back into to that rhythm quickly for the especially with those players that didn't play end up playing at all against Thailand again. Yeah, and and talking about rest, unlike twenty fifteen where they basically had to fly to each venue, you know, France is smaller than than Texas. So you know, for the for the for the most part, they can they can bus everywhere they need to bus, and and they're kind of right now playing all all games kind of in the north part of, of France, so you don't have yeah. the same travel wear and tear, you know. And like you said, you know, plenty of time uh, between games, so you know that's got to be such such a challenge balancing, you know, minutes keeping the groove, <laughs> you know, yeah. and, and and then, and then you throw in personalities. So, um, you know, we've known for a while that Jill has, you know, basically been using Carly Lloyd as a super sub. Right. And, and yeah. we know that, you know, Carly doesn't like that. No player is going to like that, you know? Um, but it was interesting to see Carly get the start and, just look really good, you know, not that she hasn't been playing well, um, you know, for the last year, but we've mostly seen her in, in a supporting role. There's only been a couple of games where she started and, you know, and, and exploded. So, you know, it's like, Hey, you have all of these players that are in really good form. <laughs> you know, what, what, what do you do? I mean, it's, it, to me, it's very different from 2015 where, you know, Alex was slightly injured. LaRue was slightly injured. You know, Wombach started to struggle uh, just, you know, figuring out the best combination of, of the lineup. So this is a whole different kind of problem and, and in a way a wonderful problem to have where you have this, you know, this much talent. But, uh, yeah, it's, it's going to be interesting uh, Thursday against Sweden. So do you think we see basically the lineup that started against Thailand with the, the only difference being that Sauerbrunn's back in the lineup? Yeah, so that would be, and I'm interested to see how that works because Sauerbrunn would come in and then that would push Julie Ertz back up to into that number six position holding mid. So then who in that midfield is is out, right? Is that Roosevelt or is that Sam Mewis? Uh, personally, if, and they haven't done this in a long time, I would, 
I would keep Julie Ertz back there with um, Becky Sauerbrunn, and I would keep the midfield um, as as we saw with Lindsay Horan, um, <clears throat> Lindsay Horan, and um, Samantha Mewis, and can't believe I just called her Samantha, Sam Mewis, and uh, <laughs> and Rose Lavelle. I would keep that, um, but I don't foresee that actually happening. So I think potentially, really, what Jill would go with is moving Julie Ertz in there. Becky will move back to the to her her normal center back position, and then we'll see Lindsay Horan and Sam Mewis, and then. Um, or, you know, actually I might scratch that and keep Roosevelt and Sam will come off the bench. I can't, I don't know. I don't know what they're, that's a, that's actually a tough one. And I think that's where it would be the most difficult for Jill to decide who's going to play and, and what attributes you're looking for as your center mid. But even though you didn't ask me this, I would have thought this <laughs> midfield that we started against Thailand because I think that provides a, such a better balance. I think we move the ball better. And I mean, Julia Urch, is more comfortable in that center back position. Well, and I, I love the combination of Julie Ertz and Becky Sauerbrunn. I mean, we we kind of lucked out getting it in 2015, you know, when she had to step up late and replace totally, Chris here yeah. at home. But it, it's like, it's totally a great blend of, of playing styles. So, you know, yeah. I, I, I'd love to see that again. And no knock on on Dahl Kemper or, or Davidson. No. Hey, got, got to give yeah. a shout out to Davidson to assist in her world cup debut. You know, that's, that, that's a pretty nice stat to have. Um, but oh, let's yeah. talk about, let's talk about Sweden. Um, you know, cause of course this is a, a grudge match of, of sorts. Um, at least, you know, it's not a knockout game, uh, but it's still a game to determine who wins the group. And, and I think what's ironic, of course, is the group winner in some ways might have a tougher road than, than the non-group winner. But, you know, we're never going to play to not win the group. You, don't, you know, you never want to start playing that game. Um, especially when you're firing on all cylinders, you know, it's like, just, just, just keep it going. But, uh, you know, how, how do you think that game's going to play out? I mean, do you think, uh, Sweden will, you know, just park the bus or, I mean, they're different. They're obviously a different team than 2016. Pia Sundaga is no longer the coach. Um, you know, they, they, a couple of their big names, you know, have retired, but, you know, what do you, what do you think about that matchup? Um, I think it's going to be a great matchup, actually. Um, just in the terms of the deep rivalry that we have, the familiarity between the two teams. Um, and while they don't have, like, a ton of star power, um, they have a, a lot of quality players across the board that are experienced and understand how to manage games and how to close out games. So I think it's going to be a, a tough challenge for us. Um, one that we'll definitely be up for, and I don't think if we play well and and we bring the energy that we've seen in the first two games, I think we'll be fine. But it will definitely be our toughest match. Uh, I don't necessarily think we're going to see them park the bus, but I definitely think they'll be in more of like some sort of media block that they're going to stay compact, make sure they don't give give us a ton of um, space, especially in the midfield, um, allowing Lindy Horan or whoever else is in there with her much space or time on the ball. Um, and I think that will be interesting. Plus, I don't think that they'll give us a ton of room. I say the medium blocks because I don't think they'll go absolutely won't go and high press us. Um, but I I think they'll try to limit as much room in behind as possible. That will um, try to take an Alex Morgan out of the game. Um, that leaves much room in for her behind, so they'll force her to play with her back to goal. And I think they'll try to defend um, defend going forward that way. So. I'm excited. It should be a fun game. I like how Sweden's looked. They definitely have some areas where we can exploit them. And I think um, our athleticism and if we're consistent and can combine on the outside, especially with the side where Kelly O'Hare and Tobin Heath are, then I think that we can cause some troubles on that wide right side. But um, we'll see. I mean, there's been some exciting and wild games in this World Cup. So (laughs) (laughs) So what what are some of your other favorite games been so far? Oh, good question. Um, I enjoyed the, um, I've enjoyed every one of Australia's games. Um, I thought they started off slow and then started off slow again in that second game, but they're starting to, they're starting to find the groove. Um, I missed 
the game yesterday versus France and Nigeria, but I've, I've watched the highlights and um, I'm going to have to go back and watch that because what a wild one that is. I know. Um, what else? I mean, the opening match was amazing, fun. All the France games I've watched. Um, Italy, I think, has been a dark horse. And oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So, and I'm actually I'm excited to see um, how Germany starts to build. Right? I mean, we saw them um, win 4-0 yesterday. So I'm excited to see if they can start to find their groove a bit more um, in rhythm and, and become the team that we, we've seen them and how lethal they've been in the past. Right, right. You know, even though most of the names that we know from Germany, you know, have retired, uh, yep. I, mean, I mean, that's that's still, I mean, they – like the U.S., they've been at the top of the women's game, you know, for, for the longest time. An incredible number of Euro titles, you know. They're the only team that's won back-to-back World Cups. They're the defending Olympic champion. And uh, it, it's interesting to note that we have never met Germany in a world final. I know it's wild. Uh, I mean, I mean, I mean, U U twenty, but I mean, you know, U twenty yep. in twenty twelve, yeah, but but no Olympics, no World Cup. We met them in the semis multiple times. We met yep. them in the quarterfinals. So now, uh, if we if we win the group, we'll be on opposite side of the bracket, so that we would only meet them in the final if if both teams went went all the way. But yeah, it's it's interesting to see see Germany, especially when they changed their coach pretty late, you know, um, they, they got rid of Steffi Jones, brought in Martina Voss Tecklenburg, who, you know, was a German player back in the day and most recently coaching Switzerland. Uh, you know, so yeah, it's like, are, are they finding their groove? And I think it was good for them to get that four zero win to finish group play after having two, you know, one zero wins. Um, yeah. So they're, they're, they're definitely, Definitely look, looking like a contender. And then I'm really excited about uh, Canada-Netherlands. That that will play before the U.S. game on Thursday. And that, that game also determines the winner of the group. So you have Canada in their first World Cup where they're a seeded team. You know, yep. and, they, and they could win all three group stage games for the first time. And, and same holds for Netherlands. Uh, you know, 2015... They needed needed just you know they they were scraping for a result at the end of the group stage to get to advance and they managed to advance as the third place team. Here they're in a position where they know they've already advanced after two games and they could win the group. You know, so so two two teams kind of on a groove. Uh, that's 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 going to be a great one. And of course, we know so many of the players on the Canadian national team because of you know NWSL. So, yep. so it's, 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 it's tough not to root for the Canadians when you're so familiar with, you know, with calling those games and watching those games. And, you know, we have a lot of, a lot of fans, a lot of end of yourself fans where it's like, it really doesn't matter who you're playing for. You just really like that player, you know? Um, yeah, totally. Yeah. <laughs> they actually, they, and, and I didn't really have any expectations. I wasn't sure what they were going to look like coming into this. Um, to this tournament, but they far exceeded my expectations just in general and what we've seen from them as late. And I think they look like a solid team and um, they have some weapons and, and players um, are, are really stepping up in ways that have um, made them more of a dangerous team. And you can see that with like the support system. Usually we see Sinclair kind of leading this team on her, on her shoulders, right? And we're seeing other players step up and relieving her of some of those specific duties. Right. And defensively, they've been so strong this year. I mean, they've given up maybe one or two goals all year, yep. which is just yeah. insane. Amazing. So, yep. um, and if they win their group, um, I, I think whether they're first or second, they end up on the opposite side of the bracket from, from the U S. So, you know, Hey, how cool would that be? An all CONCACAF final. Uh, I know. <laughs> USA versus Canada. We can dream. 
<laughs> you imagine what's going on in that broadcast booth with Fox. I mean, you have Aaron West there, like, yeah, Oliver Bush's husband. Him and uh, Karina LeBlanc have been doing the host of the, the Fox show at, live at night. And yeah. they've been going head to head if it's an all country cast. Uh, be wild. Karina LeBlanc would lose it. If, I mean, that would that would just be awesome. Though I love I love how she's been supporting Jamaica too, wearing Jamaica colors when when they're playing, and <laughs> and, and it's been I, I don't I don't want to say it's been fun to watch that because you know obviously they they want to do better than they than they've done, and and I think we all want to see Bunny Shaw score, but it's 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 always exciting to see a team beat the world cup for the first time, you know, again, especially when it's, it's some players, you know, where it's like, Hey, that's Havana Salon. We saw her play for Washington spirit, you know, Hey, there's yep. Shana Matthews who just came back, you know, for the Washington spirit and, and also some of the collegiate players, you know, um, that's just the, the number of former NCAA players that are on these teams, you know, and, and some of the teams you wouldn't expect, you know, it's like, I was writing bios for New Zealand players. I was like, wow, their backup keeper has been a year at Texas Tech. I didn't know that, you know? <laughs> and, yeah. and and same with when um, Claire Emsley was signed for Orlando when they announced it a few weeks ago. My first thought, of course, is she is going to melt in the Florida heat. And then I read her bio. It's like, oh, well, she spent a couple of years going to school in Florida. She'll be fine. <laughs> <laughs> you know? yeah. it's like yeah so so many so many have have some kind of u.s tie well any last thoughts uh, or, or any anything you've seen in this tournament that that you want to talk about uh, good question um That's no question. i mean I, I, will, I will i guess i will be interested to see um you know, even after yesterday's game with the, all the talk around VAR and then the PK being called back, right? Yeah. Renard be scoring that one. And, and you just feel so gutted for, for Nigeria and the way that they defended. So um, I'll be interested to see kind of like what potentially that looks like going forward now with VAR, right? Because the kind of consistent theme it was – or at least it seems this way to me is last year with the men's world cup, right? I think there was some, there was some real um, like, how is this going to work with bars? It's going to interrupt the flow of the game. And they did a really excellent job in my opinion of like keeping it moving. Everyone was plugging yeah. their eyes with the check bar and smooth. Right. And now we're seeing bar being used in a way that's kind of like disrupting the flow, calling back. Right. It's. Um, yeah. I do not. So I do not remember it delaying the game nearly as much left. Yeah, exactly. And, and, and I was having to track, um, you know, for our stats, the, the, the VAR instances, and it was not nearly as much um, of a delay. But one thing I, I noticed last summer was the incredible reduction in the number of yellow cards compared to the previous tournament. Now, I haven't charted that for, for this tournament yet, yet, but it at least among the men, it sent the message of, you know everything's being watched, and I and I think one thing that that needs to be said about VAR, um, which could be the cause of some of these challenges, is unlike the men, some of them had, you know, some of the guys had played with VAR before the World Cup. FIFA made such a late decision to add VAR yep. to the Women's World Cup that none of these teams are used to having these having these calls and dealing with these disruptions so you've got you, you, you yeah you throw in that kind of like you know that they didn't even get any practice you know international friendlies or you know doing it during she believes or euro qualifying or, or, or something like that so it's kind of well case in point why you shouldn't be implementing something like this the last minute right <laughs> right together let's go right We're right tough, so yeah yeah, but it's it, to me it, it, it reminds me of you know every every men's World Cup they introduce Adidas uh, introduces a new ball right for the World Cup, and the yep. goalkeeper goalkeepers were like, "Are you kidding me? Like that one oh, moves yeah. different. That one moves differently than every ball I've been training with for the last four years." Thanks. Oh, you know, I like to have told you 
I could tell you so many stories. It's wild how different those Adidas balls are. And once you get to kind of like you start implementing them a couple of weeks prior to, if I remember correctly, to the World Cup, we got like a like handful of bag of balls, right? And uh-huh. it, it it takes a while. They move and whip differently than you're used to, especially the Nike balls. It is, yeah. And so for the goalkeepers, it is so interesting to watch them be like, you got to be kidding me. Yeah. <laughs> And, and it's that that kind of attitude of hey we need to unveil this thing right for the big tournament it that's all over the place this isn't something specific to soccer or, or women's soccer but it just blows my mind because it's like this is your your peak time this is when the most people are watching this is when you want everything the best so you know why are you introducing this variable you know not that I'm against having VAR in the women's world cup, but it's like, yeah, it was certainly a, a last minute thing. And similar, cause I just have to bitch about this somewhere publicly. Um, us soccer deciding to launch its new website design two weeks for the world cup meant that all of the stats that had been on the site are now gone. So oh you, you used to be able to look at the last 10 years worth of lineups for the women's national team the last 10 years worth of stats, <laughs> all gone. Yep. You know, it's like, yeah. thanks. I really needed that overly designed type two small players wearing too much makeup, you know, fancy graphics. Like, but no, I didn't need the stats <laughs> or the actual information at all, you know? Yes. And, yeah. And I've been bitching to people too about, hey, FIFA's online store is gone. You know, it's like we're right for the World Cup. They're they're all like source time. So it's back up, but now so they've they've farmed it out to like the US FIFA store is Amazon. So if you click on it, it just takes you to Amazon, takes you to the stuff, and it's like it's much less stuff. And of course, you know, all my listeners know I'm all about the merch. So I'm like, no, I want more stuff. <laughs> <laughs> I, I want the souvenirs. I want the shirts, you know, and the, the neat thing is, and I know I'm just all over, all over the map right now, but the neat thing is there are more and more places that are offering world cup related stuff. It's kind of cool to go into target and it's like, wow, they've actually got some U S soccer stuff going on. So totally. And- yeah. I mean, it is the, the amount of companies that stepped out too. Um, and I knew that coming into this World Cup because I'm part of the, um, like our players, not our players association, but, um, and uh, I'm also part of the board, but I can't even think of it right now. But anyway, yeah. we got pretty good information about like how many um, different um, sponsors want to step up. And you're like, you're going to go into the, you're going to go to the supermarkets. You're going to see Coca-Cola with our players' faces on them. You're going to see Secret deodorant right so it's it's been amazing oh awesome excitement around it yeah it's a lot well and and like i've been really pleased with all the advertisements seem to have incorporated seems like almost every player on the team at some point whereas my memory of a lot of the ads before 2015 almost all of them were alex morgan centric you know and i don't blame alex morgan for that i blame the advertisers that don't get that there's more ways to connect and there's, you know, there's more faces and names on this team, you know, than, than they realize. Oh my goodness, so, yeah. like, like, Don't get me like, started on that. I'll, <laughs> um, okay. Well yeah. then I'll, then I'll get you started on that post world cup. Oh, good. Have, but the one other thing I will say, especially related to you though, also, um, well, I mean, all related to you. Since you <laughs> but I, when you asked me about, um, one thing about this World Cup, is, and we talked about Inler for Chile, I mean, some of these goalkeeper performances are amazing. And I think we're, we're seeing if we invest in that position, because that's a unique position, right? And if we invest, we can see how that, um, that position can grow and win teams' games, right? And um, it's, an, it's a, a position that's gone – under the radar, and I don't think there's been enough um, emphasis on it across the board. Um, and we can go down like support and visibility and um, a- across teams in general within this. Right. Organization. But when you're talking about a specific um, position, I mean, 
some of these goalkeepers have been amazing and they've certainly stepped up and it's been been quite incredible to watch. Well, Lori, thanks so much for for taking the time to rant with me and also talk World Cup with me. And post World Cup, we'll definitely have to to get on get on the call again and and rant some more. Absolutely, I would love that. Thanks for having me. time to wrap it up with the back four. Uh, First and foremost, we're getting pretty close to the knockout stage of the Women's World Cup. You can download a knockout bracket at keepernotes.com. And we've got another weekend of NWSL action coming up this weekend with a Friday game, two Saturday fixtures, plus one Sunday game. And none of those games overlap with all the Women's World Cup action. So more soccer than you probably have time to deal with. And, of course, all the NWSL games stream live on Yahoo Sports. Speaking of NWSL, I am selling NWSL shirts at keepernotes.spreadshirt.com. There's a couple designs for every NWSL club. And for every shirt sold, $2 will be donated to the NWSL Players Association. That is the union that represents the NWSL players who are not members of the U.S. Women's National Team. And last, the NWSL Almanac that I've been publishing since 2016. This year I did a printed version for the first time. So if you'd like to purchase that, it's available to purchase at KeeperNotes.com. You can also buy just the PDF version or you can buy print and PDF together. And there is a lot of information in there on the international players who are who have played in NWSL currently and previously, so could be a handy companion to watching the Women's World Cup. All right, that's it for this episode of The Mix Zone. Thanks to everyone for listening. Thanks for everyone who's tweeted about this. And many thanks to Sean for putting this all together. But now she's everybody's girl. You know she's everybody's girl.